Hi, this is Tom Rotolo, founder of CityQuake. Welcome to our podcast where we feature messages that will change your life. I believe that Christians around the world are way overfed with teaching and way underactivated. What do I mean by that? We don't put that teaching to practice in our everyday life and it actually makes us worse off. We know biblical truth, but it has not actually transformed our life. Well, I've chosen messages for these podcasts that will inspire you and challenge you to live out your identity as a believer filled with the Spirit of God. It's time to not just fill seats at church anymore. It's time to see our cities transformed for the kingdom of God. Get ready to be activated. I I love teaching on this topic because I really believe that if the Church of Jesus Christ gets just a couple of these points, these main points that I'm going to kind of bring out and highlight in this session, if, if the Church of Jesus Christ gets these, I believe it will transform, absolutely transform the impact that the church has on the world. So at the, by the end of this session, you kind of, you can evaluate if that's the case. But I really believe, because I, 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 I just can picture these things, if the, if the people of God get these truths that I'm about to hit on, that it will be absolutely transforming. And you're going to be a part of that transformation process, not just in your own life, but actually impacting others, impacting churches, impacting regions. Um, I want to pray because, uh, yeah, we're going to get there and, and the Lord's going to have to help me to get there. So Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the amazing ways that you've worked through his, your people at this break and, and the people whose lives are touched, we, t- we bless every one of them. We say, show up and show yourself strong, Lord, to those that got healed, those who got emotional healing, those who got encouraged, those who, who are drawn out, even this one who had this demonic manifestation, Lord, we bless them right now. And we say, Lord, go after them, that, that one you are just so persistent, go after them with your loving persistence. And draw them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app or whatever, uh, I'm going to be reading this. Yeah, let me just read it and then I'll talk about it. According to the grace of God given to me, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is built, burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through fire. All right. So in this passage, Paul is talking about what some people call the reward seat of Christ. Okay, this is a judgment. This is a, a judgment of all believers. You know, in, in John uh, 3, it talks about how we have passed out of judgment. 
okay? And we have passed out of one of the white, great white throne judgment where there's basically uh, uh, those who are, are written, names are written in the Lamb's book of life and those who are not. And we pass out of that judgment. We have your name, if, we, if you uh, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to him and he's given his life to you, you have passed out of that judgment. Thank you, Jesus, because uh, we all deserve to have not passed out of that judgment. But we actually get grace. We get heaven. We get eternity. We get relationship with the Father because of what Jesus has done for us. And so that is amazing. But there is a judgment that we're all going through, uh, the, the reward seat of Christ, and, uh, and it's basically you're, you, what, what you're going to get as a result of the life that you've lived. And this passage is probably one of the best passages that talks about that. Uh, and Paul says, listen, there's a foundation out there. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Okay, and you build, we all are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And he says, he actually named those like six uh, uh, materials, building materials, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. And he's basically, what he's basically saying is there's some that are going to be burned up and there's going to be nothing left, wood, hay, straw. And there's some that you're going to build on and there's going to be, matter of fact, they're going to be purified Gold, silver, precious stones, when, it, when, when put through fire, it gets purified, right? And it burns out the impurities. And he says each one's work on that day is going to become manifest or be revealed. There's not going to be any hiding on that day. There's not going to be any pretending. We can pretend one way on stage and live another life off stage. But on that day, it's going to be revealed. And he says that each one's work will become manifest and it's going to be revealed with fire. And he says, if, if what the work that we've done, how we've lived will remain, then, then there's going to be reward. But if, if how you've lived your life has been more for you, been more for what you want to do and not what he wants, then there's going to be a burning up. And, uh, and, and he said, but, but it's not, you're not going to be, you're not going to, um, you'll still be saved, he says at the end, but only through fire. And I believe on that day that, that there will be tears on that day. You know, he, he will wipe away the tears, but there's going to be tears on that day because we're going to be like, oh my, how long did it take for me to get to a point of living for him rather than living for myself? How long did it take for me to understand this life of love that he wants me to enter into? And, uh, and, and, but when we start learning to live out of love, when we learn how to live, not just our family, but our friends, but those around us, everywhere we go, we're being like Jesus. We're made to be like Jesus. And when we're living out of that, that we're actually building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we have reward. And so today, I just want to say, today, how are we building? How are we building? And I actually want to talk about some specific ways that I believe we can build. You know, um, I, has anybody heard of CT stud? I'm not. I'm not talking about. That's not like a. I'm not like talking about like I'm. I'm CT stud. I'm like not Mr. Stud. I'm not trying to say that. Anyway, that's a bad joke. Okay, I, but um, CT stud was a, he, he was a, a guy that lived in the late 1800s in the, uh, in England, and he was kind of like the Tom Brady of that time. Meaning they weren't playing football then; they were playing cricket. Cricket was the big, the big sport at that time, and he was the top of the top of the cricket players at that time. And he was famous, and he was uh, wealthy, and he was like had everything 
that you can imagine in terms of worldly uh, esteem and everything. And, and it says that at the age of 23, he'd reached the, the pinnacle of, of his career. And he says this, what is all the fame and flattery worth? When a man comes to face eternity. And he had to admit that since his conversion six years earlier, he'd been unhappy, backslidden state. And as a result, he said, I know that cricket would not last. I knew that honor would not last. I knew that nothing in this world would last, but it was worthwhile living for the world to come. And at that point, he ends up going to China as a missionary. For 15 years, he worked in China, and then he moved to India, and he worked six years in India as a missionary, and then he moved to Africa, and he was 21 years in Africa, and he died in Africa. And he summarized his life, and he summarized the motto of his life, is only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I believe he must have thought about this verse in 1 Corinthians and thought about that day standing there before the Lord, looking maybe at friends, at other, other people, seeing the fire go through their life. And, oh, there's hardly nothing left there. Oh, wow, they're getting a, a large reward there. Oh, wow, there's gold and silver and precious stones being left from the life they lived. And just wondering, what's going to happen when the fire burns up my life? Better for us to think about it now than on that day. Only one life will soon be last. Only what's done for Christ will last. Listen, I want to talk about building materials, good building materials. What are the, what are the things that he's poured into your life? You, every one of you have a certain amount of time. Every one of you have a certain amount of of resources, financial resources, other resources, relationships, influence, uh, you, you, talents, abilities, brain power. Uh, every one of you has a certain amount of this. How are you stewarding what God has dropped in your lap? You're not going to be judged based on my talents. You're not going to be judged based on somebody else's talents. You're going to be based on what has God point given to you. And how are you using that? And one of the areas that I think is so misunderstood is in the whole area of spiritual gifts. Because, you know, he's given you, he's put in your lap by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. He's given you spiritual gifts. And, uh, and you may not have understood what they are or have developed those, but I'll tell you, that's your eternal building material. Just as much as your time and your energy and your money and your, your other resources in life, you have spiritual gifts that you need to develop. Matter of fact, I would say that your spiritual lit, if you don't understand what your spiritual gifts are, you're, and you're trying to make decisions on what you're going to do in your life, and you haven't considered the actual building materials that the master gave you to build the kingdom of God, you're you're going to probably make some wrong decisions there in terms of how you best use and steward who you are. Is this making sense? So that's why I so, so think it's so important that Christians know what their spiritual gifts are and know how to walk in that, how to develop that, those spiritual gifts. 
Uh, They're your eternal building material. And so, uh, but I'm going to make a statement here that I believe um, may not make sense at first because you may, and you may have even been taught something different because I believe that every one of you can walk in and practice all of the spiritual gifts, all of them. Every one of you can flow in every spiritual gift. Now, I'm going to read a verse to you that once I'm done reading, you're going to be like, well, Tom, that seems like it just contradicted totally what you just said. It seemed like that, no, I can't walk in all the spiritual gifts. This is saying that I only have maybe one or two or three gifts uh, here. Let me read it to you, and then I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, I'll just read it, and then I'll go on. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. <clears throat> There are different kind of gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kind of services, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, in everyone, is the same God at work. Now, to each one, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. That's word of knowledge. That's what we were talking about last night. By means of that same Spirit. To another... The faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues to another silly interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit or Holy Spirit. He distributes to each one just as he determines. So this would seem to say that, that it, we don't have all the gifts that we have one or two or whatever, the gifts that the Holy Spirit has determined we're going to get, and, and, and that's it. But yet, I'm up here saying that's part of it, but that's not all of it. Because I believe every one of us can use every one of the spiritual gifts. How does that, that, that seems like a contradiction. Honestly, if this was the only passage of Scripture we were going by, I wouldn't conclude that every one of us could walk in all the gifts. I, I, I want to make sure I'm, you, you follow me here. You get, uh, this passage seems like it's saying we're just getting one or two or three gifts. The Holy Spirit gives it, right? Okay, but yet I'm about to say, no, I believe we all can walk in all the gifts. Okay, and I'm going to show you and prove it scripturally. And here's how. Two chapters, this is not, and now we're, I'm, I'm going by not another writer in the New Testament. I'm not going by even Paul in another book of the Bible. I'm going by Paul in this same letter to the Corinthians two chapters later. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, makes these statements. He, and actually, Dave Wagner was talking about it earlier today. He says, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Well, I understand, Paul. You're saying earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earn- desire that you may prophesy, and yet I thought you just told us that not all have the gift of prophecy. How does that square? And he says in verse Corinthians 14, 5, he says, now I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. Now, Paul, I understand. You just said earlier that uh, I'm going back here in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, 
He says, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another. He just said that, that the Holy Spirit gives these each one as he wills. But you're, you're saying to me, I wish that we all would speak in tongues and even more prophesy. Uh, what, now, what is it, Paul? And, and now I'm going to give you some, uh, I'm, we're going to get a little bit more theological here, okay? And I want to give you the answers that some people have given. These are not what I agree with yet. Okay, the last one is what I agree with, but I'm going to give you how people justify this seeming contradiction. Whenever there's a seeming contradiction, you just need to kind of pray and say, Lord, how does this get resolved? How how does this thing get resolved, right? So some people like to try to resolve this contradiction by saying, well, it doesn't really matter because the gifts aren't for today anyway. Have you heard that argument? Have you heard that being taught? The gifts aren't for today anyway. They're for back then. That's when they needed them. But now what they say is that the, the word of God has come, the New Testament writings have come, and we don't really need that, those, power, those gifts of the Spirit. Have, have you heard that? All right. And they get that out of 1 Corinthians 13, right in between 12 and 14. They get it here. And they, they, this is how they try to how they try to do this with scripture. They say, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will pass away. For his tongues, they will cease. For his knowledge, it will pass away. For we all know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And so they say, Paul was talking about the time. He was looking ahead at a time when the perfect scripture would come and the New Testament would come. And as a result, now that it's come, we're looking back on this now and the New Testament has come. And so therefore, the gifts have passed away because we don't need them anymore. That's how that argument, I'm not saying I believe that, but that's how that argument goes, okay? And the problem with that is that they really are kind of extracting something from the context here, and they're saying, hold it, it I agree with, the, with what Paul is saying, and he's saying these gifts will pass away. I just don't think they passed away yet. Does this make sense? What he says is, his, and he continues, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And, and there's going to be a point where we're going to graduate from spiritual gifts. And basically he's saying, for I know you, we see in mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. I believe he's not talking about the revelation of the New Testament writings, he's talking about that day when we see him face to face. That's when we won't need these gifts of the Spirit anymore. That's when we're going to see him face to face. We're going to be fully known. We're going to be know, know him fully. And, we're, and the, the gifts of the Spirit are not going to be necessary in our toolbox. Okay? So that's where that argument kind of falls flat there. Um, but then, he, so then I had another, over the years, uh, there's been two other kind of arguments. One of them I actually believed for a long time until I realized, hold it, there's a, 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 another way of seeing it. But let me tell you these other two arguments and how they reconcile these things. I hope I'm not, I hope you're staying with me now. This is, I'm just giving you a little bit of, of here's, here's why I'm going into more depth on this, because I want to crush this. I want you to be absolutely sure of what I said earlier, that all of us can walk in all the gifts, but there's also spiritual gifts that have been given to us in particular. All right, so the second explanation, again, that I don't believe, uh, was Paul was saying that he wished they could prophesy. He wished they could speak in tongues, but you really can't. Sorry. Oh, but it would be so good if you did. 
That, that's how they reconcile 1 Corinthians 14. They say, you really can't, you, only, you can't walk in all the spiritual gifts. You just have a couple, maybe one or two that you should focus on, but you don't have all the others. And, uh, and Paul was just wishing, oh man, it would be so good if the whole body of Christ would walk in all the gifts, but you really can't. But really, if you go back and look in 1 Corinthians 14, that's not the spirit of what Paul's saying. He's really saying, you really can, you go for it, desire it, earnestly desire it, and, he will, and you'll be able to walk in it. Um, or he may, or he, the other explanation is it's a combo effort. It's you pursue them. This is what I used to believe. You pursue them, and then the Lord gives them to you. Okay? And so, and, and that, that, that seemed like a good kind of a, uh, rationale in terms of how to, how to settle to the two passages of Scripture. But, um, but I believe there's, a, there's actually a more clear way, and some of you already know this, and that's great, but I want to make sure we crush it for those of you who are kind of like not sure about this. Um, and here's the, re- here's the reason why I want to crush it so bad. I, I want you all building with all the gifting that you have. You know, how we believe will affect how we act. And if you don't believe you have spiritual gifts, you're going to avoid them. You're not going to use them. You're going to think we need to get somebody else to help that person. And I want you to be walking in all the giftings, but then I want you to excel at your spiritual gifts. let Let me go on a little bit more. Here, let me ask you some questions that I believe will help you to show the truth and how to rationalize 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. Would you say that only people with the gift of evangelism should evangelize? No. Right? You'd be like, no, we're all called to evangelize, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples, go preach the gospel, heal the sick. I mean, we're all supposed to be evangelizing, Right? But yet, at the same time, we know there's certain people that have a gift of evangelism. There's some here. There's some of these confident ones have a, absolutely a gift of evangelism. They love doing this. They, uh, they excel at it. They see more fruit at it. But we all evangelize, right? Okay, how about this question? Would you say that only people with a gift of serving should ever serve? Don't try to serve another person unless you have the gift of serving. That's crazy. Bible says to serve one another, right? We're, we're supposed to be doing this. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, no, that's crazy. We all serve. But some have the gift of serving. Some excel at, at, at serving one another, at doing practical things that will help and encourage and will make life easier. And will, 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 it's just amazing. How about this? Should we, I think there should be, uh, should, well, no, I, I think. Should there be a, a kind of a rule in our church? Uh, only people with the gift of mercy should ever show mercy. No way, right? All called to show mercy. How about this? Only people with the gift of pastoring should ever disciple other people, should ever shepherd, should ever help develop the sheep in a way that they grow up. No, we're all called to make disciples, right? And you see where I'm going with this. Um, I, I'm going to do one more because this is really, I've never heard anybody, any pastor ever say this. Here, in our church, only people with the gift of giving should ever give. If you don't have the gift of giving, don't give in our church, please. You don't want to violate your gifting area. No. We're all called to give. We're all called to be like God as being givers. And, and, but yet, 
God has raised up people that are, are even more, like, he, he, like that Joseph anointing, that ability to create wealth and to, to give to an, in even more abundance, right? So here's the thing. We all know this intuitively, that there's certain gifts that we're all supposed to do. But it's what's happened is why we, that, that people have come against the, what we call, consider more supernatural gifts, even though they're all supernatural. Things like healing and prophecy and word of knowledge and, and miracles and faith. Those, those are the ones that are like, oh, no, those aren't for today. Right? When, uh, and it's, it's segmented, like, no, only, or, or maybe it's not, I don't say they're not for today, but only people with those giftings should, if you, are you a healer? Had you ever a gift of healing? Don't pray for the sick then. And what they're doing is they're, they're trying to, unintentionally, they're squelching faith. They're squelching the body of Christ in stepping out. No, with every gift, not just evangelism, not just mercy, not just serving, not just pastoring, not just uh, giving, in every gift, every one of you is absolutely has an open license to move in every one. Everyone. But now here, so why does Paul talk about 1 Corinthians 12? There's one, because when he's talking about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about that every one of us is going to be given something that we will excel in in a particular way. So not everyone, just because everyone evangelized, not everyone's going to have the same fruitfulness and the same uh, makeup to be able to bring about uh, souls, harvest souls. Every one of us do it. We'll all see some fruit, but there'll be some that'll be particularly gifted in that area, right? I'm really thankful for Dave Wagner, I mean, and for other prophetic people, that every one of us can prophesy. Every one of us can hear for God, for other people, and, and, but we may not be as effective as somebody like the gifting level of a Dave Wagner. Uh, and I can go on and on. Same thing with healing. I mean, you may, you, you may be able to pray for the sick, but you may not say healing, see healing like you might a, a Todd White or a Randy Clark. But you step out in it. You step out in it because it's available, because we have the same Holy Spirit. And we all, and the Holy Spirit is doing these things through all of us. See, right at this point, if you've not understood this before, right at this point, you should be getting up, jumping up and down. Yeah, I see him doing that back there. I'm just waiting for <laughs> Yay. Because here, here's what this means is that I have every tool in my tool belt accessible to me that the Holy Spirit wants. So if I see a need, I've got the answer to that need. And I can step out. I don't have to wait. I don't have to refer. I can go for it. Now, if, 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 if I'm not seeing the breakthrough that I want to see, then I refer. Then I learn from uh, the specialists, those who who've definitely have that gift. But, but I, I move out in it, and I try it. I go for healing for this person. I, I pray for the person who's blind. I pray for the person who's deaf. I pray for the person in a wheelchair because I step out because I know that's available. And here's the question. How do you even know what gifts you have unless you stepped out. I don't know this. I, I, I'm just, did Billy Graham know he was going to be a worldwide evangelist and have a gift of evangelism when, the first time he tried to share his faith? 
David, I know I've asked this to Chris Overstreet. Chris, how long did it take you to realize that you have a gift of evangelism? He said, it was years. It was years after he became a Christian. He didn't realize it the first time he tried to share his faith. He, I mean, you won't realize. This is another thing. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, this will get you excited. Because you don't realize your spiritual gifting until you've tried it for a while. So here's my recommendation. This is just a Tom's good idea. You can take it if you're living. But I, I think it's a good one. But listen, don't conclude what your spiritual gifts are until you've spe- stepped out in them all about 300 times each. I think it's a great call. Do that by next month. You'll have a great time in the process. And in the process, you will be like, you'll be realizing, wow. And here's what's going to happen. The gifts of the Spirit, they're going to be the ones that you're going to see the most fruit. They're going to be the ones that people are coming to you and saying like, wow, how did you do that? That's really cool. When you taught like that, that was amazing. Like when I teach, it's, it's like I, I can be effective. I can, I can teach stuff. But when you teach, it's like, wow, it grabs my attention. I think, And you're going to be here. Well, maybe I have the gift of teaching. And, and let me try it some more. Let me teach here. Let me teach there. And you, and you don't always don't need a small group or a church service. You can teach one-on-one out there. You, you like, you'll get people's attention. They'll be listening. They're not going to be like wanting to like, oh, I got to go now. They'll be like, hey, tell me more. How do you do this? What, what do you think about this? They'll be asking you questions. It, when, you have, when, when there's a pastoral gift, people are going to want to be around you so that you can kind of pour into them. When, when, you see what I'm saying? That you're going you're, you're gonna to see fruitfulness in the areas of your life that you've stepped out in and that, that the Lord's going to begin to like, okay, that's the area. That's how I, I, I don't have an evangelistic gift. I, I evangelize, but I know that's not my main gifting. But I know the main gifting is administration, pastoring, and wisdom. Just because I've seen the Lord, I see the fruit of that all the time. Uh, you bring me, you bring me uh, uh, somebody and say prophesy over them, and I'll be like, okay. It'll be like a little bit like, it'll be hard for me. It'll be like, I feel like I'm pedaling uphill. But I can do it, and I can get it right, and, and, and the Lord will, and that person will be blessed. And like, I mean, the gal over here, I mean, I was just like, I know that was prophetic for her, right? And, 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 but, but you bring me, a, you bring me a, a, a problem. You bring me a situation. You bring me a vision. I think the Lord wants me to do this, but I'm not sure how to get there. And I, all of a sudden, I'll start. It'll be like, oh, I know exactly what to do. It's just like it just comes so natural for me. That, that's the kind of the gift of wisdom and administration at work. I, it just like the Lord just kind of downloads stuff, and I just know how what what you know the the advice the the practical things that you can do to kind of get there to f- fulfill that vision that the Lord's given you is, th- is this making sense this is like all right so that's one point there's another point coming that will get even more excited because the world's at your doorstep on this Nobody can tell you, oh, like if, somebody, if, if your pastor or somebody over you in church or whatever says, hey, we don't want you praying for people in church. That doesn't stop you from developing your gifts of the Holy Spirit. You've got a world of people out there. And I don't mean to make them like into numbers like David was saying earlier today, but, but you, you can, 
practice, and I mean, you know that in the best way, right? You're practicing in love. You're basically practicing love. But the Lord, you, can, you can express, you can try it, you can express faith toward every person out there that you come across. And there are thousands of opportunities out there if you, make, if you avail yourself to them. So nobody can shut this down in you, is what I'm trying to say. Is this making sense? You can, you can grow in this. And here's the thing. Now, when you do finally begin to figure out, you've stepped out 300 times in all of them, and you're beginning to realize, wow, this is the area. I, I really enjoy this area. I see fruitfulness in the area. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, this is what I'm, I, I'm made for in it. That's how you're going to feel when you're moving in, in what, what you're called to do in the, in the spiritual gifts that you're doing. Um, but, let me, but let me ask you to do, do me a favor. Once you finally figure out, oh, my gift is prophecy, my, um, I, 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 you know, word of knowledge and, and, and prophecy, I, I'm really, I, I, it just comes so natural. Or, or gift of giving, when I give, it's amazing. The Lord just blesses me right back, and all, and all of a sudden, it's a hundredfold blessing, and, uh, and all of a sudden, I have ideas on how to make more money to be able to sow into the kingdom, or whatever it is. Once you figure it out, do me a favor. Apply Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. It's the principle that I believe Paul is talking with five gifts of the Spirit, um, uh, we call them the, the, the equipping gifts, but I believe all the gifts are equipping in some way. Listen to what he says here. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. He, listen, Paul, he, he's, he's mentioning five gifts here, and he's saying these gifts are given to equip the saints, right? Which means they're not just given to be a prophet, be evangelist, be a, be a, a teacher, be a pastor. They're not just given to do, the, do that work themselves. They're called to equip the saints for their work of service. Amen. So if you have a gift of prophecy, you're not, you're, you're not just called just to prophesy. You're called to build up the body in the gift of prophecy. There's a huge difference in that. Like, huge. I believe this is one of the most mis... I won't say misunderstood. Just, just not done. It's just not... It doesn't happen. It's beginning to happen more and more in the last 10 years in the body of Christ, but... Basically, the healers would just pray for the sick. Those that have the gift of healing would just pray for the sick. Well, great, but why don't you multiply yourself by equipping the body of Christ in healing and, help, and helping me as I'm stepping out my 300 times to figure out if I have the, the gift of healing, why don't you help me and give me some pointers on what you think about as you step out for healing so that I can become equipped more for healing. And possibly maybe also realize I have a gift of healing. Or maybe I just step out a lot in healing and I see some, but I don't see as much manifested as somebody with a gift of healing. Is this making sense? If this would be practiced in every area, can you imagine if the givers would not just give and, 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 and give into the kingdom, but they would teach the giving principles in the church? Do you know what a burden that would take off of pastors? Do you know the excitement that would begin to happen in the church about giving 
as those with the, who have the gift of giving teach on giving and, and impart giving and raise up and encourage people to be, everyone to be, to walking in, in giving? Do you, can you imagine what would happen if everyone who has a, a gift of evangelism would not just do evangelism, but would help to equip people in evangelism? That's what's happening this week right here. When I, when I put you together with those that are confident ones, a lot of them have a gift of evangelism. You're going out and watching them in terms of what they've learned and what God has done for them. Get them to pray for you. Get them to call out evangelism out of you, how to make it easy, how to, how to, how to, how to flow in it better. When this happens, all of a sudden, the body of Christ is being built up by those, by the gifts that he's poured out. So it's not just about discovering your spiritual gift so that you can build with gold, silver, precious stones. It's then so that you then equip others in that. Are you getting anywhere near as excited as I am about this? Because this is like amazing. Just the, I mean, we're, we're at best what we've done in the past is we've had those with the gifts doing the gifts but not equipping in the gifts. That's, that's the best case scenario. And then all the lines are in front of those people to pray for me because I'm sick or whatever. And they're getting, they're getting worn out, but they're not equipping the saints. And that's why everyone else, and, and, and listen, if you go away from, which you, you won't go away from, from Dave Wagner, I know that. But if you go away from a, a, a prophetic person who's telling you about all their amazing uh, breakthroughs and revelations and this and this experience with the angels and, and this person, and, and going away going like, wow, that's so amazing. I could, it just seems like so impossible. I could never do that. That person has not done their job. You need to go away from a prophet feeling like, wow, I can't wait to prophesy. You need to go away from a, 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 an evangelist like, wow, I can't wait to evangelize. That's how you know they're doing their job. And so that's why I want to just keep calling the body of Christ to this, to say, whatever, whenever you do figure out your gifting, use it then. Don't just do your gifting, but use it to equip. Is that making sense? Cool. All right, good. Enough teaching. We've had, that's, that's some... There's some really good points there. We're going to pray in just a second. But I want, to, I want to just, we'll just take a second to do a little activation time right here. Um, so, so uh, yeah, that would be really good. Because you're looking a little sleepy there, I think. So I got to get you up and get you working a little bit here. Um, let's, let's just take some time before the, before the Lord. Let's just, whatever, however, you and the Lord, whatever hit you, whatever is important for you in that, in that first part, just kind of seal that and ask the Lord, what, what's next for you? It might be stepping out that 300 times. It's like, Lord, I don't want to, to have my life just burned up. I want to know the building materials that you've put in my possession. It might be saying, Lord, I want to step out 300 times or 500 times in every one of these things. I want to go for this every day. I don't know what it is, but just... Whatever it is that you need. You might know what your spiritual gifts are, but you've not been equipping others in them. You're like, Lord, I want to equip. How do I do that? Just take a minute right now with you and the Lord. I'm going to say something very profound. You may want to write this down. I don't often say that. But here it is. 1 Corinthians 13 is right between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Wow. 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 That'll, 
That'll make you manifest in the Holy Spirit right there. Powerful, Tom. Powerful. Woo! Preach it. Listen, the two main, uh, two chapters on spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the, the, the most that we have, especially on prophecy, on tongues, on the gifts of the Spirit, and yet Paul drops, yeah, I know, it's amazing, uh, it, that Paul drops 1 Corinthians 13, the passage that we read at weddings, and, and uh, it, it just, the, 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 that chapter on love is right in between. And that's not, I don't believe that's action at all. I just believe that it's, it's, it's like God's saying, listen, focus on love and you'll, wa- and you'll walk in spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, I mean, you might think, oh, man, if I could just see somebody heal, like cancer leave or, or you know, somebody who's been paralyzed getting up and, and, and running around, you know, afterwards. Like, isn't that be cool that God would use me that way? Listen, that is a great thing to be excited about and to be going for and to believe in God for. But I'll tell you, to know who you are in Christ, to know that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, to know that how that you have a relationship with an eternal God who, who, who has, has called you his child and has, has gone out of his way to give the most precious thing, the most valuable thing of Jesus so that he can bring you back into the creation, how you were, were created to be. When you, when you realize that, it's like healing is nothing in comparison. Like, of course he's going to use me for healing. Of course he's going to use me to change lives, to call people, uh, to call people higher, to see the gold in them, and to... to, to to call them to who they're created to be. Of course he's going to use me to do that. That's like nothing in comparison to being his son. And that's what's so cool. When you begin to get that perspective, you will not live for the next testimony. You'll want the next testimony, but you'll live to be a son. And then and you'll see lots of things that you'll have to testify about. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. I'm just going to read this with some comment here. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to to, uh, men, but to God. For no one understands, for in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. That's the verse I was just referring to a little while ago. Uh, Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, or actually in this whole passage, Paul is answering questions, and he's actually writing to a very immature church. Now, they're very spiritually gifted church. You know that spiritual gifts don't necessarily equate to maturity, right? That somebody can be really spiritually gifted that makes you think they're really mature, and yet they're really immature. And, 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 and so I just want, I mean, that's just like so common that uh, you can so quickly judge somebody based on their spiritual gifting and yet not really see that they may not be able to handle the spiritual gifting because of the maturity level, because of the th- they, God hasn't worked the full process of change in them in terms of that. And so they're, they're beyond, their, their gifting is beyond their, their change level. And that's fine. We just have to be patient with them uh, and, and, and sometimes not uh, 
Sometimes what happens is the audience that they have because of their gifting becomes their downfall. And, and so anyway, it's just that's a, okay, sidetrack. But, um, but in this passage, Paul is, is, so he's writing to the Corinthians, and he's answering questions. And one of the questions is, hey, we want to speak in tongues in our service. And there's other, but there's others saying we shouldn't. We should really kind of curb this because there's non-Christians coming in. They're getting confused. You know, the gift of tongues can be confusing, right? I, oh, wow. Okay, Lord, do you want me to do that? I'm just, I'm, 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 there's like always about 14 things that I want to do, and I can do usually about six in a, in, a, in a session. And I thought that the Lord said I didn't have to do this, but now he might be. How many of you don't yet speak in tongues? Raise your hand. It's okay. Just admit it. If you don't speak in tongues, it's fine. Okay? But, all right. We're, we're going to do it. All right. Um. Yeah, because, listen, I said we all move in all the gifts, right? Listen to what Paul says. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Listen, I don't want you to miss on the edification of speaking in tongues. I don't want you to miss out on, you know, Paul, uh, uh, David talked about how he, he uh, encouraged himself in the Lord. Tongues is an amazing gift to encourage yourself in the Lord, especially when you're discouraged, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to pray. I, I, I mean, so, sometimes I, I, you don't know how to worship, like, oh my goodness, he's so amazing, I don't even know what to do. I mean, you just, like, you don't have words to describe and to give him enough glory. And, that's, and tongues comes in there. I mean, I, I mean tongue, when you're praying for somebody, you get this news that is like, Horrible news, and you don't even know how to pray for the, this person, and, and you just begin to speak in tongues. You have a hit a situation in your own life. Lord, what do I do in this situation? And, and you just don't know how. To, you just pray in tongues. And so it's a beautiful gift, and it edifies. It builds up yourself. It's actually the only gift that the Bible tells us is, is where you actually get encouraged. There's a, there's a, there's a self-benefit to it. Do you know with everything that the Lord has given us that there's some kind of self-benefit that we misuse? The tendency is to misuse the good, right? And the enemy will come along and try to get you to misuse the good and overdo it. That's what he was doing in Corinth. He was like, come on, this tongues is great. Come on, let's use it. Let's do it. Come on, everybody do it in church. And then people were coming in and they're like, what in the world's going on here? And so Paul is just kind of giving them um, uh, guidance as to tongues is great. He's not saying tongues is bad. Tongues is great. It's effective. It builds yourself up. And I believe it's a way of, of praying uh, for situations where you don't even know how to pray. And the Lord ends up answering that in a way that's amazing. But so, so anyway, enough said about it. We just need to help those who haven't haven't. All the gifts are within us, like, right? It's just a matter of them coming out. So we just need to kind of uncork the bottle here uh, with, with folks. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to pray for you in just a minute, okay, if that's okay. If you're willing to let us come and have a couple people pray over each one who has not yet been a, a, a effectively moving in this. And again, he, I'm going to give you a little help if if, uh, if it's okay, I'm going to have you stand up because I want to just talk to you uh, uh, for a second. If you, if you don't yet uh, speak in tongues, just stand up so I can just talk to you for a second. Would that be okay? You don't have to do this, but I'm just, I'm offering it. 
Okay. So, let me just talk to you. I'm going to, I, I, it took me a long time to speak in tongues because I'm a very analytical person, okay? And tongues just didn't make sense to me. Why am I going to speak in a language that I don't understand and it be important to do or important for me, right? So, so my mind would get in the way of my heart, okay? And so I'm going to give you something that helped, that, that was something that I realized way back. Now, I'm not here. I'm going to do something, and we're going to do a little exercise, and this is not me, like, trying to prime the pump. This is not giving you a prayer language. This is not uh, giving you my tongue that you can just imitate. This is just going to help you overcome what I think one of the biggest barriers to speaking in tongues. All right, so let's just do it, and I and so so get ready, ready? Okay, so uh, say this after me out loud. Say ya, bada, badu, ya bada badu. Okay, I know some of you are saying like Tom, what are you doing right now? Okay, here's what I'm doing. As silly as you may feel saying yabba dabba do, that's how silly you're going to feel speaking in tongues. Because it just, it just like offends our mind. It just offends that analytical, that all your life you're, you've been grown up and taught to think scientifically, think logically, you know, do, you know, do the logical thing. Those of you who've been told that a lot are the even harder ones to speak in tongues because it makes no earthly sense to say words or syllables that you don't understand. But you got to get over that if you're going to speak in tongues, honestly. you you got to... You just got to be able to uh, say, Lord, I, I, I might feel silly, like saying yabba dabba but I, I mean, that won't be your tongue, but I don't think anyway. Um, but, but you're just going to, uh, so right now, just where you are, say, Lord, I'm, I'm okay with feeling silly. I'm just okay with feeling silly, I, 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 but I want what you have uh, in, this, in this area of tongue. So, so right now, um, I'm going to get, we're just going to, it's just going to literally be th- two minutes Okay, well, we're going to pray for that. Uh, some people call it baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just think of it as a release of a gift that you already have. Uh, uh, I don't particularly care about the term. I care more about the content of what you are getting and, and be released in. And so we're just going to have people come around you if you're okay with that and have people put their hands on your shoulder and just pray over you in their tongue and you just are going to uh, ask the Lord just to release your tongue and to begin to speak out whatever. I, I can't say what comes to mind, okay? Because it's not so much what comes to mind. It's more as it comes to heart. It's more of just releasing and being willing to feel silly. So if you could just uh, raise your hand until you have one or two people around you, those that are standing now, just raise your hand so that when others stand up and put your hands down when you have maybe two people whose hands are over you praying for you. So let's pray right now. So Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let the gift of tongues flow in this place and then those that are coming around, just begin to pray over them in your tongue. Oh, Lord, 
Thank you, Lord. Increase it now, Lord. Increase it. The reality of tongues. Come forth in Jesus' name. Come forth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fire, come. Thank you, God. One more minute. Thank you, Lord. More. Thank you, Jesus. Fifteen seconds. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, let's give the Lord praise for that. I believe there's been breakthrough. How many of you, uh, something began to start, something began to happen, your tongue was loose. Uh, wave at me if, it, if that's happened for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right, cool. All right, listen. Best thing you can do, even if nothing, you felt like nothing was going on, you, I mean, you're questioning, you're like, oh, is that, was that thought mine or was that the Holy Spirit? Uh, you, just, you just get alone and you just, in your car, whatever, you like, just practice whatever. If you put diando, diando, you just say it over again. And then the Lord will give you more. I mean, you just let your tongue go and just give it to him and let him fill your mouth, basically. And just practice that over a period of time. And you are going to, those of you who are very logical, you're going to be like, well, that felt silly, but I kind of feel encouraged. I mean, as silly as that felt, but I'm like kind of encouraged. Even though I just was saying these, it doesn't make logical sense. That's all I can say. If you're going to try to figure it out, Good luck. It's not going to happen. All right. Okay. So where were we? Before the Lord interrupted what I wanted to say. <laughs> anyway, um, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. One who ed prophesies edifies the church. So Paul is trying to tell the church, so as good as that gift is, there's something better in, in, the, public, in, the, in, in, in the public service, in the public gathering. It's prophecy because prophecy helps to break through with knowledge and that non-Christians aren't going to understand. You see what Paul's doing? He's saying love is, is the thing we're going for here. We want people to understand. We want people to... to it, it, we might understand tongues and we might feel good about it, praying together, but we want people to understand. And he says when you prophesy over somebody then there's the ability for them to understand and get what they need and be edified, be encouraged. I, I apply this in a number of ways. Um, 
How many of you have been a Christian for more than a year? More than two years? More than five years? Okay. All right. If you've been a Christian more than a year, you probably are somewhat doing this. If you've been a Christian more than three years, you're probably really doing it. And if you've been a Christian more than five years, you're probably really, really ingrained. Meaning, in the Christian culture of, of the, the Christian language culture. Okay? You, you know what I mean, bro? Or sis? <laughs> are you, you know, bro, brother? Uh, are you, have, you, have you experienced the blood of Jesus today? Are you, are you walking in, in the faith and victory? And, you know, we, you know, maybe using some of that language. Are, are you experiencing the covenant with your eternal God and, and the power and the fire of God? Have, I mean, you, you've got, a, now listen, I'm not at all against biblical language. I love biblical language. I love understanding the Greek and the Hebrew and, and the definitions and all of that. I'm just for saying it in a way that people understand when you're out there in the world. I'm just for, I'm just for love, okay? And when, you, when you're like, hey, I'm going to lay hands on you, and, and, and you're going to, I mean, you're going to do what to me? You know? Have you been washed in the blood? I don't know, but I sure want to get away from you. I mean, I want you to communicate the principles of Scripture in a way that a five-year-old can understand. Uh, That's all. And I'm making the same point that Paul's making. He said, listen, I care about their souls. I care about that person that comes in and is getting confused because you're praying in tongues. I'm confused about the person out there that you're using the language that you are now familiar with. And in this setting, we can use it all we want. But out there... We've got to learn how to put on love, and we've got to look, and we've got to explain things in ways that is, is, is more basic. Now, hopefully one day they're going to know all the biblical terminology, but not the first day you encounter them, maybe, okay? And so, so we're, we're putting on love. So anyway, that's a little sidetrack, but it's a really important one. Um, so where am I? Uh, I got to skip down. We got to. We got to. Could you guys listen a little faster? I'm, I'm really running out of time here. Um, okay. Listen. He, he, in in verse, uh, I'm going to jump down to this other point. Um, verse 12. He says. Uh, he, he says. He keeps saying that kind of the same point over and over again. In verse. 7 and 8 and 9 and 10, he's basically making the language, you need to speak with understanding so that people can grasp this. Um, he says, but, so in verse 12, he says, so with yourselves, since you're eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. Strive in a way to communicate so that it builds up, it encourages, it brings forth life. Um, but now, there is, so, he he makes one other really interesting point down a little bit farther down. Uh, and because he's definitely, he makes the point that prophecy, I mean, we, I believe, have gotten sidetracked in, in the body of Christ where the gifts of the Spirit end up just being used for us with other Christians. And, and I believe that if you just use the gifts of the Spirit just with us, in your ministry time, in your services, whatever, and it's not, it, it, it'll become very 
ingrown. It'll become like day-old manna. It will spoil. I believe that so often that the, the that people walking the prophetic, people walking in miracles or healing or whatever, are getting sidetracked because all they do is they pray and they focus on the, the group of Christians around them. And it becomes very inbred, ingrown, and, and, and actually what happens instead of it really being used because it's meant to be used for the world. Not, I'm not saying it's not being used in, in, for other Christians, but when you're using it out there in the world, you, you become sharpened in it. You become effective, you realize what is helpful for people and what's not. And, and I believe that the big mistake is that we've used the church just as a practice, like a, our practice field, and we just keep practicing on the practice field and practicing, and we never get into the real game with the gifts of the Spirit. And so you really want to develop the gifts of the Spirit? Yeah, practice in ministry time and pray for one another and, 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 and develop it there like we just did here, but now get into the real game. And use it out there. And you will, you will realize the true gift. Listen, I, I say this all the time. People ask me, um, hey, there's these evangelical pastors. These pastors that maybe don't really believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And they, uh, but, you know, should we invite them to be involved in CityQuake? And I'm like, you know what? Even those that are maybe anti-supernatural, you know, in their convictions, or maybe mediocre, or they maybe have the theology for it, but they don't really have the practice in their church. I said, listen, I've been around those churches enough, and I know one thing they do is they have a love for souls. The Southern Baptists, the Evangelicals, the, the whatever, they have a love for souls. And the reason why they have become more anti-supernatural in their teaching is because of the excesses and the abuses of the Christians who believe in the supernatural and have just gotten weird. But if they hear testimonies of how the supernatural is really being used to win the lost, you will get their attention because they love souls. And if they feel like, wow, that gift of word of knowledge really did open up that person's heart who is hardened, and then all of a sudden they open them up, and, and now that you can speak the gospel to them, all of a sudden they're like, wow, okay, maybe I, maybe I missed out on something here. You see what I'm saying? So, so that's where uh, using the gifts of the Spirit out there are going to be not only effective for non-Christians, but it'll be effective for Christians. You, I mean, I, I believe today. How many of you actually encountered a, a Christian out there when you went out and today and prayed for them? I bet they're encouraged. You don't know the number of times we've heard Christians say, wow, thank you so much for coming up to me and praying for me. I never thought about doing that in a Walmart. I never thought about doing that. You're actually encouraging the body of Christ as well as reaching out to non-Christians when you go. Yeah. Amen. Um, so, all right. So the, Paul makes a, an amazing point here in verse 22, and when he says, so if the whole church comes together, this is 1 Corinthians 14, 22, the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in a tongue and, and the choir or unbeliever comes in, will they not say you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all and the secrets of their hearts are laid bare so they will fall down and worship God, explaining God is really among you. 
Paul is saying the gift of prophecy here can be used to win them. The gift of tongues might confuse them, but the gift of prophecy will win them. You see that in that verse? And so, he, so again, he's talking about, and I believe if you went back and said, well, Paul, are you just talking about gift of prophecy and the service to win non-believers? He's like, no, but we're talking about the service. That was the question he was answering. But the gift of prophecy is used out there in the world. Now, there's one other thing that he hits here. In verse 24, I want to really be specific on this because I believe this has been a tangent that some of the prophetic has gone off in. Listen to verse 24. And if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. They will, so they will fall down, worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Now, here's where I believe that the prophetic has gotten off in some, in some streams is that they take that like this. They misread it and they say they're convicted, the, the non-Christian, they're convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all as the prophetic word exposes the secret sins of their hearts and their hearts are laid bare. What They misread this verse to say that basically prophecy is basically a calling out a word of knowledge of, of hidden sin in an open meeting. You, you, follow, how, you follow the that what, how that, I believe, is a misunderstanding of this passage. Because the passage reads, if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all as the, sin, uh, sorry, as the sins of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God. That's, hold on, I'm going to make sure. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. Sorry. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, they'll fall down and worship God. Here's how I believe that happens. It's not because someone stands up and says, oh, there's a man out here who's, who's having an affair. There's, there's uh, somebody who's, who's right, you know, who's in the middle of, of a, 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 an embezzling scheme or, or they're, they're cheating on their taxes or whatever. And, and they're exposing, oh, and it's you, sir, you know, and... and, um, and and, and so they take it like the prophetic. And this was, I'm, I mean, we're laughing, but it's actually, it was very common in the past. And, and this was actually kind of like, almost like prophets were like praised when they got the word right on that. And they convicted somebody of their sin. And I believe that prophetic, you actually can get what God may show you is sin in people's hearts. But I don't believe that that's what Paul was talking about here. What I believe he's talking about is that when people come in and there's prophetic going on and where people are coming up and they're prophesying and they're doing that, that they're realizing that God is among them and therefore that if when God is among them, when they're in the presence of God, they're getting convicted of their own sin. Not because it was pointed out publicly, but just because in the presence of God, you're convicted of your sin. And you're like, wow, God is really among you. That's what he's saying. But it doesn't, I believe that the, the, the law of love, the law of, 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 of now, okay, I got to finish one thought before we go on to the next one. Um, the, law of, the law of love applies here. You know, and it says in Matthew, when your brother sins, you go to him in what? Not in public. You go to him in private. Right? And then, and because you, you want to actually try to protect that person. You want to cover, love covers a multitude of sin. You want to, you want to, you want to, uh, 
protect their heart. Uh, but yet you do want to call them to repentance. Now, is there times where that can happen, where even in a public meeting, somebody needs to be, especially if there's leadership going on. You know, David was called out for sin publicly. Uh, I, and I believe the more in authority you have, the more in leadership you have, that that is actually appropriate uh, in terms of that kind of, because you need to expose that, all right? But it's not, in terms of a non-Christian coming in, I believe that that is not the, what Paul was talking about here. And I believe we, when you do get a word like that, if you do get, if you meet somebody or you, you, you have, you know, you're ministering to another Christian and all of a sudden you're like, wow. There's like, I see alcoholism. I see this going on. I see, you know, that he's being tempted into an affair. I see this or that going on. And then you have to pray, Lord, how do you want me to, how do you want me to deliver this? It could be that you're like, you pray the opposite. It could be that the Lord showed you it, but not to, not to expose it at that point, but to pray the opposite. Lord, I just believe the Lord is giving you a spirit of self-control. He's blessing your marriage. And, 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 and there's, even though there's temptations going on, that I'm praying for you right now. The Lord sees you as one who's a, a one-man uh, a, a, a one woman man and that you're committed to your, to your the woman that he gave you and, that, and, and you pray over the commitment of their marriage and the covenant of their marriage, you see. Uh, and and, 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 and I, <laughs> the person will get the point without you having, depending upon how, you, you don't have to always be super direct before people will get the point. You're praying about how to do that in a way that how much exposure do they really need to deal with this? So, some of us love to expose, but I don't believe that's the heart of God. I don't believe that's the heart of God. It, it, if, if there's exposure that's needed, if the, it's only because in those extreme cases where they really need it because they've been unrepentant and, and they've resisted and resisted and resisted. Does this make sense? So anyway, I just want to make sure I hit that because that is, depending upon the stream that you've come from, that could have been a common practice. And, and, and it's almost exalted as like, that's really, really good prophecy when you can stand up and point out people's sins. Does that make sense? A little emphasis there, the, the, the sound on that point. Um, okay. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast today. If this message has impacted your life, we invite you to check out cityquake.org. Just so you know, our policy here at CityQuake is to offer messages like this one for no charge. Why is that? We want to bless as many people as possible. Would you consider sewing into CityQuake today to help us get these messages out to even more folks out there? Also on the CityQuake website, you'll be able to find links to testimonies of what God has done out there in the streets and also find out our CityQuake schedule. That's cityquake.org. Until next time.